2: 2017 Pro Bowl vote is here. It's time to vote for the NFL's best players to earn their spot at Pro Bowl, where the best meets the next. Help your favorite player earn a coveted spot on the Pro Bowl roster. Vote today at NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote.
0: And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here. Move the sticks. And, Bucky, we had a wild college football weekend, which we need to hit at the end of the show today. We're going to tell everybody we thought about those big upsets that took place. We need to get into some of these NFL games we saw from the weekend. It was an awesome game. College was fantastic, and the NFL delivered this week as well. Finally hitting the stride. Great games.
2: Finally hitting the stride when it comes to football games. I think everyone is settled in. In the National Football League, guys are very comfortable in what they're doing. I think we're finally seeing the kind of play that we typically expect in the National Football League. Week 10 was outstanding from beginning to end. Even the Monday night game was a pretty good game until the end. So, That
0: was great. uh, Very excited. And uh, one of the things, too, we always talk about scouting. The money down is what down, Buck?
2: Third down, money down. Got to get off the field if you're on defense, and you got to find a way to make plays because you have to win on third down.
0: So I've got our uh, our researcher Bill Smith, our researcher extraordinaire, has got me a bunch of stats for who's who's performing on third down, who's making things happen. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later as well. But I think we need to start with the news of the day, Buck, and it's not that App State was upset by Troy. Uh, um, it is that Jared Goff has been named the starting quarterback of I guess we say our. We're in Los Angeles. Our L.A. Rams uh, surprised by the timing of this.
2: I, you knew it was coming. It had been building. Surprised that they doing it coming off of win, but this offense for the Rams—they didn't they score struggled. a touchdown, and they, they haven't been exciting at all. And so you you wondered how long they would be able to wait, especially with all of the young quarterbacks that are playing and playing pretty well. You can't have the number one overall pick sitting on Who the sidelines. Who you traded up for. You trade it up for. At some point, you want to show him off. And maybe he's settled in. Maybe he's made tremendous strides and progress from the time we saw him in the preseason. I still think it's working against him because the common denominator that we've seen for those, those young quarterbacks that are thriving, Dak Prescott, uh, Carson Wentz, uh, even some of the other guys, offensive line play needs to be strong.
0: Derek Carr's play, how it's exploded. Have to
2: be able to run the ball when you want to run it. And you have to have playmakers around. When I look at the Rams, eh, with the offensive line play, eh, in terms of Ty he hasn't been able to run the ball the way that we would like. And then the playmakers. I mean,
0: Kenny Britt, Devon Austin. Kenny Britt had a forearm uh, catch last week. I've seen I mean, one-handed catch. He caught the ball with his forearm.
2: I mean, that's it. So, I hope they aren't setting them up to fail, but I also understand the pressure that they feel from the outside. People want to see the number one pick play.
0: Well, we always talk about we use our trucks and trailers analogy, whether or not you're a quarterback that pulls other people along with you or you're somebody that gets pulled by your teammates. You spend the number one pick on a guy, and you trade up and get him. You expect him to be a truck, and you expect him to make everybody around him better and cover up some of these issues. That's the challenge.
2: That's a lot of pressure on a young quarterback. You're right, though. I mean, when you're taking in the top five or you're talking, taking number one, you're supposed to be a franchise player, a guy that can kind of handle the weight that comes along with lifting a bad franchise. And so a lot of pressure on Jared Goff. Hopefully he's able to slow it down. I like the talent that I saw when he was at Cal. I like the skill set. I liked all those things. I worried about the transition from his offense to the style of offense that they may play with the Rams. As much pressure is on him, I think there's a lot of pressure on the coaching staff because everyone has looked around the league and seen how people have adapted to allow these young quarterbacks to thrive. If the Rams don't show the versatility to kind of take some of the things that he did at Cal and put him in a situation where he flourishes, a lot of pressure goes back on the coaching staff before it even gets to Derek Goff.
0: Yeah, I mean, what, how do you how do they use him? I mean, what what do you think they do? You talked about using some of the things that they did at Cal. In your opinion, what, what's the best way to kind of get him going? I, first, start. First, give me the script.
2: First, th- first thing for me, I'm gonna try and empty it out a little bit. I want to empty out, empty backfield, uh, have all my receivers out so he can identify if they're blitzing or if they're in coverage. Spread them I want out. spread them out like he was able to do at Cal. I want to have some easy throws from him, some motions, some stacks, some shifts where I can kind of get them going, a couple layups. I think it's important that he completes four out of the first five, six out of the first eight to kind of get a rhythm, see the ball go to basket. And if they do that, then I think he can have success. You also got to run the ball. I don't want him like if I have a pitch count – I want to keep him at 24 or fewer pass attempts if I can.
0: Can I give you my prediction of the first 10? I'll say the first 10 throws, okay? Of the first 10 throws, I will predict that half of them, five of them. Bubble screens? Tunnels, bubbles, or just pure screen. Just just get the ball to running back and a screen. I bet you five of the, his first 10 throws are at or behind the line of scrimmage.
2: I wouldn't doubt that. I would also like to see them do some things because Ty Gurley hasn't being able to have success, maybe having Jerry Goff and more shotgun run game, mm-hmm. maybe that'll clear out the box a little bit and give him some running room. Maybe they can use some of the RPO run pass option game to help Ty Gurley get off. But Tavon Austin has to be a factor. Kenny Britt has to be able to stretch the field. They will need to utilize all the weapons available to them that they haven't necessarily utilized thus far.
0: You know who's loving this, by the way, Indama and Sue.
2: You think so. Oh. You, <laughs> you know he so? wants to get some of that. You think, you think he may inadvertently step
0: I'm in- not saying he's gonna do anything outside the rules. I'm just saying that's not a very good offensive line. That's a rookie quarterback. And I, I'm it'll be I actually kinda hope for Jared Goff's sake, I hope he gets hit really good early in this game. Maybe it's sued somebody else. But then just shake that off, loosen up a little bit and then and then get rolling. But he this Miami front he will get hit. I watched Indomin Sue uh, on tape from not this last week in San Diego, but the previous week. And Bucky, he's just so dang strong, man.
2: Their defense is rounding into form. Joe Alonso is making plays. Vance Joseph has done a great job of keeping this front multiple. They're doing a bunch of different things in the back end, coverage wise. Tony uh, Lippitt in the house. How about that? Two picks against San Diego Chargers. Um, Byron Maxwell had a pick. They're playing a little more zone, backing up, seeing, playing with vision. Uh, you know, when you announce this so early in the week, it gives them an opportunity to kind of add a lot of tricks. To the deal, he's going to see a lot of exotics. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly he can speed up his process to get the ball into his playmaker's hands.
0: One of the reasons why I think it's key that they get him out here now and not wait any longer is you just look at Philadelphia. Wentz had that early success, right? Then he goes through a little bit of a lull. He's got yep. some adversity. Now, you know, we'll see. Can he, he's starting to pull out of it a little bit. Can he continue to go through that, prove yourself, get through those – in order to get where you're gonna, where you want to be as a quarterback, take Dak Prescott. That's a unicorn. Okay, that's a unique situation. That Very rarely, unique. Rarely happens. Very unique. You got to go through your down times. So let's get those down times out of the way as soon as we can. So that next year, when you start Week One, you hit the ground running with this kid. Well, let's be honest.
2: I mean, there's been a rush to get him on the field, but in a perfect world, this is kind of when you want to put the rookie on the field. You want right around the midway point, ten games in. You have six, or seven home. games left. You're at home. Now you play them to get them some momentum going into next year. So this is an opportunity for them to do that. If they have success, maybe they catch lightning in the bottle. Maybe they make it to the playoffs. But right now it's about setting Jerry Goff up so he can have success
0: next year. All right, no question. All right, these games last week, Buck, you touched on the the primetime game, the Monday night game, Bengals-Giants. I went back this morning and watched all of Eli's throws. By the way, offensive line-wise, they're not very good. No, they're not very Adkins good. You know Atkins had his way with that group up front. But Eli – it's tough. Hung in there, and uh, they made some things happen. I, th- I I love how they made them pay for doubling up Odell Beckham. Everybody, you sit at home, you watch a game, you go, ah, you know, I, we're not gonna let this guy be a double double him. Okay, well you double him, there's gonna lead to some matchups across the field you're not gonna like. And they were able to get Sterling Shepard lined up on. I think it was perfect. Coming across the field. Coming across the middle. He's got no shot.
2: Doing doing some things. They creatively done it. And the thing about the Giants that I'm impressed with, a lot of their passing game is all quick game. Yeah. I think they may throw more slants and quick in-breaking routes than any other team in the National Football League, and they allow their playmakers to get loose. They've also done a better job of late of making sure that Odell Beckham stays in the game, meaning they force some balls to go his way, kind of get him into the mix early. I saw that. And – when you keep him engaged, he can continue to be a difference maker. That double move he ran on, uh,
0: Pac-Man. That was filthy. I put that uh, on my Snapchat, woo. by the way. Mo- move the sticks on Snapchat. Yeah, cool.
2: that's a
0: – Yeah, a little nasty. wheel. Hit him, hit him, he, just, he squared up and then wheeled right around him. That man, was nasty. That's, that's, that's a playground move right there. Now. Yeah, that was sick. The uh, Seahawks, Patriots. I guess I'd say, I, look, I'm a little bit surprised. I thought at home uh, New England would give them some trouble. But, man, Seattle came out and just smacked them in the mouth a little bit. And I, to me, the story of this game, going back and watching that tape, C.J. Proseis is a problem for people. He is doing – we compared him to David Johnson coming out. He is doing some David Johnson-type things where they line him up at receiver. This is why I don't understand. You get an athletic back like that to to who has been a receiver, as has David Johnson. And on Total Access this week on Friday, I'm doing a little bit on David Johnson. They they motion these guys out, Buck, and they treat them like running backs. you got to treat them like wide receivers. At least you got to drop a safety down there. And Match him, you take your inside linebacker and in motion and match motion with him, you, you get what you deserve, in my opinion. You know, it's a problem,
2: and you know, we're talking about CJ ProSice and the versatility. He and another guy that was at Notre Dame before him, Theoretic. Yep, Theoretic had some experience playing wide receiver, and there's a reason why on third down, on some of those special plays, you can put him in and split him out wide and create a problem. CJ ProSice gave the Seattle Seahawks exactly what they really needed, they needed someone else who could be a factor, someone else who could be a guy that could create double teams to create freedom or one-on-one opportunities Doug Baldwin has three
0: touchdowns, not a coincidence.
2: Doug Baldwin, Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham also is a guy that can kind of dictate coverage. So now they have two guys who can create double teams, which allows those other guys to get one-on-one coverage. Doug Baldwin has been a guy that has been able to win. Really nice route runner. I like how that offense is going. I still believe they need to be able to have a physical presence in terms of running. But if he's able to give them the total yards from scrimmage that he gave them, that offense is going to be a problem. And then defensively, they always have the tools to be able to get it done with or without Michael Bennett. And that's what shocked me, without Michael end,
0: Bennett the way they were still able Just to, how physical
2: yeah. they are. And they've – you know, a lot of people talk about them being a cover three team, a single high safety team. They've become more than just that. But at the end of the day, they can cover you and they can hit you, and they have – willing tacklers they've kind of changed the evaluation part of it for me in terms of when i'm looking for secondary guys they have to be able to hit running cover
0: yeah there you go you gotta be able to do it we, we used to say in baltimore you'll never have a great defense if your corners can't tackle
2: everybody has to be yeah. willing i mean they have to be willing tacklers and if they're more physical than willing then that take gives you that a chance level. to take it to another another level
0: now you got you got force defenders there on the edge all right other big game from the weekend man we had so many good games cowboys Steelers. I'll tell you what, the story of this game to me, and I don't want to diminish anything from Dak Prescott, who was great. Zeke Elliott, who was great. Des Bryant made plays. But the way that the Dallas Cowboys offensive line, when you go watch that tape, Buck, the way they manhandled and mauled that Steelers front, that was the game.
2: That was the game. And I think when you're looking at tape and you have to take those games to the late stages, the fourth quarter, I want to see – who is able to win and control the trenches in those stages. And without question, Dallas Cowboys were able to have their way offensively because they mashed the Pittsburgh Steelers in the fourth quarter. Ezekiel Elliott is a hard-charging runner. He's a physical runner. That first drive, the way he laid it down on Mike Mitchell, you want to see that. But at the end of the day, the front five, the front line from the Dallas Cowboys, completely dominated and obliterated the Pittsburgh Steelers at the point of attack. It just is a testament to how they beat them up consistently throughout the day.
0: I had a, a buddy with a team send me a copy of his report on Ezekiel Elliott and just highlighted one little thing because he was watching that game. It's not He doesn't work for the Cowboys. The line that he had in his report was, they say it takes a village to raise a child, but it also takes a village to tackle Ezekiel <laughs>
2: <laughs> That is a nice report. But that's true, though. Like, you know, after he settled in after the first two games of the season and quit trying to necessarily prove to everybody why he was a top five pick – he has been outstanding. We've seen the same guy that we saw at Ohio State, the same guy that was able to kind of put that offense on the back in critical situations. We're now beginning to see them use him more in the pass game, yeah. which is something that he wasn't really featured in at Ohio State, but I knew about it having watched him from high school. Using him in the screen game, being able to get him the ball inside and outside, in the past, Man, he's a three-down back. He's the epitome of it. You almost are reluctant to take him off the field because he can do everything that you want to see at that position.
0: Um, here's the interesting thing about the Cowboys, and I give Scott Lanahan a lot of credit for this, Buck. You talked about the screen game. Here's the problem when you're trying to defend the Cowboys. You can't beat them up front. So if you're going to rush four, Dak Prescott's going to sit back there. They're going to let Cole Beasley and and They're going to wear you out. They're going to wear you out. So, if you can't get there with four, what you got to do? You got to bring pressure. Start bodies. bringing pressure. So, you're going to bring pressure. They're going to screen you. And so, next thing you know, you get caught with your pants down, and you got Zeke Elliott out the back door, and he's got three or four blockers in front of him. So, you're, you're, in, a, you're in a pick your poison position there defensively with this team right now.
2: Offensively, if if, if we were playing a video game, I would want to play with the Dallas Cowboys on offense because they don't have any holes on offense. They have a true number one receiver in Des Bryant. They have a middle-of-the-field controller in Jason Witten and also Cole Beasley. have a number a number two receiver in Terrence Williams who can make plays when those opportunities are there. Big offensive line so you can run it whenever you want to run it, yep. however you want to run it. You have a running back that can do everything. And right now the quarterback is making great decisions and not turning the ball over. And so when you're dealing with a force like that and we're always trying to make a team play left-handed, I don't know if you can make the Cowboys play left-handed because their alternatives are still strong enough to allow them to win the games. You make them pass, they can wear you out past you. You try and say, oh, we'll give them the run. They'll run it willingly for 200-plus yards. I, I don't know how you really slow them down.
0: To me, it looks like a collision course with Seattle. That, that's what it looks like in the NFC. And to me, that's maybe one of the few teams that matches up favorably with Dallas because they can put the big corners out there on Dez. Yeah. Then you've got Michael Bennett, who it doesn't matter how dominant they are. He's a problem. He's a problem if he's healthy inside. And Cliff Averill coming off the edge. To me, you get Cliff Averill, you put him over Doug Free, and you say, you you go win the game for me.
2: You know, this is, I think, a great matchup for both teams. In 2014, I was up in Seattle, uh, CenturyLink Field, when the Cowboys came on the road, and they beat them with DeMarco Murray. Yep. And – when the Cowboys are committed to running the ball like they were committed in that game, they were committed to running the ball. They got 30-plus carries up there. They wore the Seahawks down in the end. And I think part of your strategy when you're dealing with Seattle is you have to be willing to run the ball even though It doesn't matter what the score day. is. You have, you have to just continue to run it. The Cowboys have the front line and the personnel to be able to do that. The problem is their defense. Can their defense hold up? Because at the end of the day, that's the weakest part of their team. Can the defense hold up? Their offense has been able to kind of play keep away to prevent them from being on the field to be exposed. Can they stop a Seattle so – how, how many
0: losses does, does Seattle have right now? They got, I think they have two. Two? So right now they would have to go to Dallas. Your yeah,
2: home field is critical. So for the Dallas Cowboys, they can't have a hiccup because you do not want the championship game to have to run through Seattle.
0: How, how interesting – What? how about the irony? In the preseason, Tony Romo goes down at Seattle. Yeah. And that could be what decides who goes to the Super Bowl. They could, that could be your NFC championship That game. could be
2: the championship game, and it would be nice because when you look, there's a huge separation, I believe, in the NFC right now between the Seattle Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys and the rest of the pack. Um, those two teams are head and shoulders above the other teams. And so who can come up and challenge them? I will say for the Dallas Cowboys, the road is a little tougher because within their division – Washington, the Giants. I'll tell you what, and Philly, the Eagles beat them up some, pretty good. For three there are some good quarter. teams, and they'll be tested. And they could go on a stretch where they lose a couple games because they're playing the division rivals.
0: All right, a couple other points, and then we'll get to some of these other things here. Um, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota both playing good football right now. Yes. Checking your guys. We've seen some ups and downs. I think they've kind of leveled – you know, they've become more consistent. Um, did a nice job. Jameis Winston had the circus play in that game. And then, man, the – Titans beat the snot out of Green Bay. How funny is that? We did the preview video for that game. We laid out the case for why the Titans or how they could beat Green Bay. And then we both
2: Went just swamped
0: out and did not did not pick them. We should have gone with our uh, our gut on that one. Chargers Dolphins, great game. Dolphins, um, you know, just find a way to make. Tannehill made a big time throw in that game. Their defense, Kiko Alonso stepped up, made plays. Um, Laramie Tunsil got a chance to play some left tackle. Did a really nice job out there to spring JHI. That was a that was a fun game. Any other games on here that uh, stood out to you, Buck, from the slate this last week?
2: I, I think the thing that stands out, and we have to talk about it, in scouting the Saints and the Broncos brings up why, as a scout, you have to pay attention to special teams play. Mm-hmm. You have to know what guys. Are and what they potentially can do, especially if they're bottom of the roster guys. So Justin Simmons, at the end of the game, on the PAT, he jumps over the center. He has a 40-inch vertical, jumps over, bats it away. They pick it up, they scoop it, and those are the deciding points. And so when you're looking on the road and you go and do all your due diligence and school calls, sometimes you have to pop in a couple snaps on special teams so you can paint the picture. That might have been the deciding factor for the Denver Broncos in that game, the fact that a scout – was able to look at Justin Simmons and see, oh, he has some special team ability, and maybe in his background he has blocked the number of kicks. Those things matter,
0: and they really matter on good teams in big games. So good scouting departments, here's one of the things that they do in, the, in in talking about special teams. You'll have each scout during the fall. Maybe you know, pretty much you've been through all your schools right now. Right now scouts are going back, cleaning up reports, going back in for second and third visits at schools, but they've seen everybody in right. their area. So you get an email that gets sent out that says send me your top five special teams players. Now they might be star players that you have first round grades on. They might be sixth or seventh round backup players, but th- just tell me who are the five best special teams players you've seen. Because when you go into a school, you study the special teams as well. And if they're if they're you know a prospect or they're senior or draft eligible, you got to watch them and take notes on what they do on special teams. So you you send those in. What they do then on their cards on the draft board, you're going to put a little color color on there. Maybe it's green yep. or whatever to signify who those guys are. You get in draft meetings, and, Buck, you, you know how it is. You get in there, you've got four safeties, and you've got four different areas of the country. You have the exact same grade. One of them's got a green dot. Who do you think you're going to put at the The
2: top green of? dot. That is the deciding factor in a lot of situations, particularly down day three. You're trying to figure out, because normally those day three guys, your fourth round or below, those are the guys that comprise most of your special teams. So special teams are a big factor, being able to have a special skill, be it as a returner, being a guy that can block kicks, being a gunner, stud, uh, yeah. cover guy. Those things separate you from the pack, which is why a lot of guys I would encourage, even starters, even high-profile guys, you need to play special teams because ultimately everybody plays special teams in some way, shape, or fashion in the league.
0: All right, I talked about earlier um, third down. We talked about being the money down, the money most down. important down in football. So I sent to Bill Smith our researcher extraordinaire, I said, send me some nuggets here. I need I need some third-down information, see who's doing well. All right, highest third-down, highest passer rating on third-down this season. Pass rating is not the best stat, but these numbers are interesting. Tom Brady on third-down has a 158 passer rating, five touchdowns, wow. no picks. Drew Brees, eight touchdowns, two picks, a 116 rating. Roethlisberger, eight touchdowns, one pick. Matt Ryan, four touchdowns, no picks. So third-down, who the dudes are right now, Brady, Breeze, Roethlisberger, Ryan. Usual
2: suspects, Ryan would be the new guy that's kind of in that club. Uh, the reason those guys all excel, they understand the game. They also understand the urgency that comes with winning on third down. They put themselves probably in a position to convert third down because they understand how to win first and second now. But experience matters when it comes to conversions.
0: All right, I'm going to see if you can guess this one, Buck. Um I think there's one that you that maybe would lead you in one direction and it might not be that. Most third down receptions this year, give you a hint, it's a wide receiver in the NFC South.
2: Okay, let's go Tennessee.
0: Let's go Matthews. No, Tennessee AFC South. Oh, AFC, you say NFC, NFC South. So think about the teams here. Carolina, Atlanta, Ooh. Tampa, uh, who else am I missing? Carolina, Atlanta, Tampa, New Orleans. Okay, my guess would be Adam Humphreys, but I don't think that's right. Mike Evans third down third downs Mike Evans has 18 catches on third down man two, everyone two those, knows who of those touch that's what i'm saying but that's when we talk about the the definition of a number 1 wide receiver everyone knows third one. down red zone everybody knows where it's going and you can't stop it i think Mike Evans we put him in that category as a true number 1
2: okay here's something that coaches always say think players not plays yeah
0: everyone what is the situation knows situation call for i what just get i need to get this guy going
2: i need to get it to the player so everyone knows Hey man, it's gonna go to Mike Evans. I don't care. Yeah. He's better than your guy. I'm gonna feed it to him. It's not about the play, it's players over plays.
0: All right, so here's some other names on this. Number two, actually sorry, tied tied for the lead. Amari Cooper, third down. Once
2: again, we talk about
0: it. Number one guy, he's only he's got one touchdown. Then some interesting names. Randall Cobb has seventeen. Now they've probably been in a lot of third downs too. Yeah. Part of that deal. Jordan Reed even having missed games for Washington, 17. That's one of the toughest covers in the league.
2: He is, and, and you can make the argument that he is their mm-hmm. he's their number one receiver. He's their number one playmaker Target. in the pass game. He is everything. They, they kind of build it around him. Those other guys are supplementary thieves.
0: How about this one? Kenny Britt, 17 catches. Well, I, I can see that. He's, he's become, the only dude.
2: He's their number one in
0: L.A. Other places he dra- would be. The thing is, to me, when you draft Tavon Austin, that's you're drafting him to be your third down Escape guy.
2: They 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 are. Um,
0: so, a, a couple more guys with 17, they're all tied here. Uh, Cole Beasley, not surprising to me. I, he was
2: one of the guys that I thought would be because I know Dak has, a, has really a, a chemistry and a trust with him.
0: And then Jarvis Landry. So, you've got an interesting collection. You've got some slot guys. You've got a great tight end. And then you've got uh, a couple guys on the outside. The funny thing,
2: there. the common denominator, um, with the exception of Cole Beasley, all those other guys are, are kind of the number one guys on their respective team. Jarvis Landry even does he wouldn't necessarily be a prototypical number one receiver. To them, oh, he's he the dude. He he's, he's the dude. No he's question. He's the dude. He's the
0: dude for them. All right, most third-down rush yards. And, and this, to me, it's almost not just the rush yards, because you can be in third and 20, run a draw, and get some rush yards, but the conversions for the first downs I have on here as well. But uh, the most third-down rush yards, Bilal Powell, 123. He's got eight first-down conversions. Lev Bell, even though he's missed time, 111 yards, six first downs. Melvin Gordon, 102 yards, 10 first-down runs. Uh, that's big. The other person with 10 first down runs, DeMarco Murray, on third down. So he's been good. That to me is more in short yardage. Uh, Lamar Miller shows up on here. But how about this name for most third down rush yards this season? Andrew Luck, 92, with nine conversions uh, running the football.
2: Man, I you know, the funny thing, a lot of people, the way they envision Andrew Luck and the way he actually plays are two different things. He's far more athletic than people give him credit for. He uses his leg, uh, legs a lot more. Than people really expect or imagine, and that stat right there suggests that he understands how to use his athleticism to his benefit.
0: All right, most third down sacks. So this again, these we talk, we talk about, about, about closers. closers. This is no question. I say Trevor Hoffman. You say Rivera. We n- neither here nor there. Um, most third down sacks. You, you, I've got. I'll tell you. Give you a hint. Two. There's, th- there's four guys that have five third down sacks. And this maybe, if you're listening, you can figure this out. You can guess here. Guys, two of them are tied. Two of two of the guys at the top, tied with five sacks, are teammates. You'll never get it. You'll never get it. At the top? Two guys tied at the top. Five apiece. I don't know the two guys. One guy was going to say D4.
2: One team has won
0: a Super Bowl. This team has won a Super Bowl within the last five years. Jesus. Really this team is from the NFC. Who we got? NFC West. To Seattle, so ooh, this Seattle. Cliff Averill. Team. Cliff Averill is one. Who's the other one on their team with five sacks on third down? Frank Clark. Boom! Look at you, Buck.
2: How about that? I'm well, nice well, like Michael Ben is her. So yeah, that's he's what I'm playing. saying.
0: Yeah, how about that? So third down, Avril and Frank Clark, five sacks apiece. Von Miller, five sacks. Um, Eric Walden with five third down sacks for the yeah, Colts.
2: Seven and a half sacks
0: or something under the I... radar. And then Lorenzo Alexander, who's having just a career year. He's got four and a half. I don't know. He's 43 years old (laughs) and having the best year of his life. Um, But those dudes are doing it on third down. So I always think it's throughout the year periodically I like to check in and see what's going on in that money down. Well, it's money
2: down. You know, the next category when it comes down is fourth quarter performance in terms of like fourth quarter within seven. I would love to see. We'll put Bill on that. How many sacks guys are generating in the fourth quarter because that's what we talk about. Money down, the closer, being able to shut the door. Um, you have to have the ability to generate rush when you're up ahead and doing some of those things.
0: All right, before we get out of here, Buck, we've got to go to these college upsets real quick. What was your take? What was the most surprising of all of them? To me, Michigan
2: going down to Iowa. I
0: was going to say it's Iowa to me. I shouldn't be surprised because that's Iowa. Iowa's going to lose to North Dakota State every year, but then they're going to beat somebody they have no business beating.
2: So they beat Michigan, which is I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. The other thing is. They knocked the quarterback out. Yeah. So now Wilson Spade may not be able to play against Ohio State, and you know that the Buckeyes are not sympathetic. <laughs> um, I think the bigger thing is the rivalry between Rich Eisen and Albert Breer. Oh, is, are, are they former, battling uh, still on Twitter? Oh, they're going back and forth. And I think Albert Breer may, may have taken a little delight in watching Rich's team go down a
0: little bit. <laughs> you are like the tennis match judge. I mean, I just, I just think it's funny that they had like Take a little Twitter beef. Yeah, they go in on each other. Um, we both picked. Uh, SC to beat Washington, so I don't know. That was a huge surprise. You ended up going to the game? You to- yeah,
2: it went to the game. You know what was very impressive about that game was watching Adoree Jackson and John Ross go head-to-head, and they were matched up all the time, but John Ross finished with eight receptions, 154 yards, but Adoree Jackson had a couple of big plays, and it's the rare win-win when you can check off the boxes for both guys and be like, hey, yeah, both, both guys. They
0: both did it, yeah. They,
2: they both did it, and so it was really good. I think the counter
0: is watching Sidney Jones and Juju. Could Juju Juju's get away from him at all? I haven't seen the tape. I just he watched you know, like that's. I know his back is bothering thing. him. I, I know that. A little bit, but I think there's a difference that's between a Juju
2: and John Ross in terms of the explosiveness and the versatility and what you could get out of both players if you brought them in. With John Ross, he's a speedster, but he's also a very polished route runner or whatever. Juju is more of a playmaker meaning that I don't know if he's the most polished wide receiver, but he has to have the ball in his hands to make things happen. I don't know how much juice he you knows. You, know you know
0: how much grief I got when I did my uh, comparison for him in the spring? I you compared him? you compared to Bolden and uh, I, I, com- oh. I compared him to uh, Michael Floyd. That's not a bad comparison. People are like, oh, Michael Floyd's stiff and he can't really run. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's – I mean, Juju's not – But he's nasty. big. Not ex- he's not dynamic. Yeah, he's, he's big d- and fast. And, yeah. yeah, he's physical and – and he's not a polished route runner at all. No, and he's made strides,
2: but he was a guy that didn't play a lot of wide receiver in high school, so it's still kind of new to him. But that game, I will say this. You can already see it kind of coming back Yeah, for USC. You can see – you remember how we used to love to take oh, that yeah. visit? That used to be a two-day visit.
0: My favorite part of those visits, by the way, when you go to SC back in the day, was not to go look at the senior starters. It was to look at the freshmen that they had it, brought in and be like, whoa, who is this dude? Yes. He'll, he'll be out there. Tyron Smith and Matt Khalil, both red-shirting. They'll, yeah. they'll be playing next year. Yeah,
2: like, so oh, they, they're beginning to load it up to make a run, and I don't think it's a coincidence that we're seeing some of those teams, the Oregons and stuff kind of come back Stanford to the pack. came back a
0: little bit. Come yeah.
2: back. Because now SC has their full allotment of scholarships. UCLA came way down. They can, they can keep everybody in the fence, the state of L.A.
0: Yeah, those are, those are eight to ten guys that they had to just let go to other competitors because they didn't have the scholarship. Yeah, now they can keep it together. And, look, the quarterback has made the difference. I still
2: think the, the throwing motion is a little quirky. A little long. A little long. Or it's, it's weird, though. It's,
0: it's quick, but it's long. Yeah, it's it's it's, Got a it's quick funny. Re- quick release, but it's, it's just it's, long. It's, it's, it's funny. Russell Wilson kind of has, I would describe him. Yeah, it's it's funny to
2: watch, but the ball gets out. He 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 does a good job. And I also think with the Washington quarterback Jake Browning, you and I had talked about. Like he's a nice college player. I think you the saw a little bit. Yeah, I think you saw a little bit of the difference where he's not quite one of those upper uh, guys. Yeah. So
0: here was my thing when I watched that. Uh, game on TV. I was, I was, didn't get to see it live. I recorded it, went back and watched it. I haven't watched the, the All 22 tape, but my takeaway from it was, man, SC played good. They did a nice job. The quarterback from Washington just had an awful game. Bad they game. had some dudes. They had dudes wide open down bad, the field. bad decisions. Some blown coverages. Even late in the game, I don't know what SC was doing. They're protecting a like an 11 point lead, and they let somebody get right on top of him and they miss a throw. He just didn't have a very good game. Didn't have a good
2: game. But, you know, they were able to kind of get up to him up front. They had some pressure. Yeah, some that Rasheed Green's turn into a good player. Yeah, and they're fast. Like, SC is fast. Like, when they put the young guys out there, they're a fast defense, and sometimes the speed can make up for some of the mistakes.
0: All right, the uh, the other big games we had, Clemson. How about that one?
2: Pitt. You know, Pitt is a funny team because I watched Pitt play North Carolina, and that was a tricky game for the They Nets. lost at the very tough. end, right? Lost at the very end. And they did some things. I mean
0: – Beat Penn State.
2: I, th- I think the big thing – in that game, I look tip my hat to Mike Williams because the play that he made on an interception to me will be one oh, of those that you that play. Dude, yeah, yeah in, in, in in meeting rooms, talk about like this is a all in guy. But I think Did you the,
0: watch Deshaun on that, by the way, after the pick?
2: I did not watch him, but I will say, here's the thing about Deshaun Watson. I know he went out with the seniors. They kind of celebrated his senior day. Um so it's I guess yeah, kind pretty of a done deal yeah. that he's coming out. What I would wonder is if he couldn't benefit from another year? I think, I think he he could of school. Yeah. Now I mean, not from a draft position or whatever. Like I don't know how much it'd change, but the experience. I just believe this year, people got a chance to have the tape from the previous year. They made some adjustments. They're making them, you know, kind of be a pocket passer and do some of those things. I just think he needs a lot of work in that
0: area. Here, here's here's yeah, the decision making was not good. The red zone interceptions when you're trying to put a game away, not good. But to me, the interesting thing is, you remember we both had Teddy Bridgewater as the as the top quarterback in yep. the draft class. But you can have two things: you can say what we believe, but you can also state what you're hearing from talking to people around the league. Nobody had that I talked to in the in the scouting community had Teddy Bridgewater as high as we did. Yep they f- they weren't high on him for whatever reason. We've been through it a million times. Yep. But so then people get mad at you. How can you say? I'm like, no, I'm not saying this is my opinion. I'm saying this is what I'm hearing in the league. And sure enough, draft came. He dropped all the way down to where he was picked by Minnesota. Deshaun Watson, Buck, I don't talk to anybody that has a really, really strong uh, backing of his play. Yeah. I don't talk to anybody. So to me, it's eerily similar to to Bridgewater in that I think some people assume his draft position. I think they'll be very surprised at what that ends up being.
2: And I will say this about Deshaun, and, and, and here's the thing having studied him and I know him, so i kind of not careful with my words, but in watching him, he's a little different than I thought based on the glimpses that I saw the previous year. When you see. I was the, at the Alabama game, he was on fire. Yeah, when you see the Alabama game, when you see the North Carolina game and the ACC championship and the Oklahoma game where he had three really good games and he seemed like he was playing at a different speed, I think what has happened to me is having watched him on the same field with Lamar Jackson, yeah. he's not as dynamic an athlete as I at thought. Last so season. he'll he's run a little bit, but he's not the explosive dude that we thought. And so now I wonder if he doesn't have that a plus athleticism where he can be dynamic as a runner, is he good enough as a passer to be able to control the game and affect the game? Now maybe he can go and do some of the Dak Prescott stuff that Dak was able to do, but Right now, I think the fear is I don't know if he's an A-plus athlete, and I know he's not an needs A-plus passer. He
0: needs some development as a passer. So, so
2: where do you take it? Does that mean he's a backup developmental type for a team that already has a quarterback? What is the value? Of that? Is that second? Is that third round? Where does that fall?
0: Yeah, and, again, I'm not saying what he can or can't be at the next level. I'm just telling you from the personnel community, there's the enthusiasm meter is at a zero.
2: And, 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 to, be, and to be honest about – all of these quarterbacks. Oh, no question. no question. I don't know because the the other guy, Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Mitch Trubisky from North Carolina has kind of been the guy that's been the Johnny-come lately. A lot of people are talking about him, buzzing about him. His stats look great. He has 22 touchdowns, four interceptions. But what I will say is at the end of the day when we turn the page and we get to the draft season, on paper the concerns will be this. He's only had 14 or 15 college starts. In those college starts, he has run up some nice numbers but in those pivotal moments when you really need to see him against Duke, backed up, it would have been a great opportunity for him, balls on the eight-yard line, can he lead him to a game-winning drive? Because if he does, then you can start checking the box about him being a clutch player. Yeah, I see a guy who is athletic enough, like athletic to make some plays, but he's a reluctant athlete in terms of being able to run it. Has a good enough arm, can make the throws, can do some of those things or whatever. Um, can play when the game is on schedule. Still stares down. The quarterback, I mean, stares down his primary receiver a little too much. I believe he would benefit from some more time and reps. He can go. He can probably fool people and get drafted high. I just think, like, if we're talking about this for the long haul, you want to put yourself in the best position to really enjoy a lengthy career. And I just don't know, as a one-year wonder
0: guy, where he goes so i want to take people into the draft room right now because this is a great example of what goes on in the draft room this is like bucky just read his report okay this is he just gave his evaluation and so this would be a total scenario that take place in the draft room i would sit here and listen to bucky read that and i would say okay i'd be you know kind of scribbling down notes and bucky said okay he's hadn't played that much limited number of starts he can make every throw he's kind of a reluctant athlete you know the the clutch stuff is that really there? I don't know. He's got he's got some tools, but there's just question marks. You just described Mark Sanchez. Mm. You just like to a T. That was what Mark Sanchez. Well, was. And, Mark that's, hit, and, that's what Pete, and that's what and that's and that's Pete Carroll so he had said. Use another year.
2: Take another year because yeah. I just don't know if you had enough. And that is really a good example because I think Mark had maybe fifteen stars. Yeah, hours, If that, and and Pete was saying long term. Yeah, no, you went in the
0: top ten. That's great. But in terms of your sustained success as a starter at the next level, you need more college experience. And I
2: think that's the common denominator with the young guys that are playing and playing well. If you look at Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, even whatever you think about Cody Kessler, all of those guys were four five-year guys. guys. A lot of experience, a lot of reps on the practice field, a lot of game reps. It allowed them to have an easier or maybe a quicker transition to the league. I believe more teams have to look at – the guys that are having success that way, because I don't know if an underclassman can come in and have that kind of success right away.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who ends up declaring in this draft because I think it's going to be a battle for people because they're going to see the opportunity. It's going to be a supply-demand thing. They're going to say there's not any quarterbacks. There's a great opportunity for me to come out and go high, uh, maybe higher than my ability suggests I should because of the the weak crop of quarterbacks. But – that's short-sighted. That's short-term thinking. Long-term, I think these guys would be better served, stay in school, get that extra year of experience. And just like you said, the Senior Bowl has been producing all the quarterbacks in the NFL. And it, it's, not it called, it's not called the Red Shirt Sophomore Bowl. <laughs> it's called the Senior Bowl. It, it is. its it a lot of experience. And I
2: think you can make the same case because I think the interesting guy that we'll talk about at the end of this will be Deshaun Kaiser. Mm-hmm. Because Deshaun Kaiser is a guy that – this has not been the best year for him, but we talk about the fantastic start that he had at Texas. And the thing that I think is a little different for him than Mitch Trubisky and also Deshaun Watson, you're talking about an athletic quarterback who also has prototypical traits. Yeah, no And question. so the traits we talk about, arm talent or whatever, I think they're wild traits, size, intelligence, all that other stuff. The production hasn't necessarily been there this year for whatever reason. He is the one that I can see more people lining up behind and say, if I'm going to cast my lot with somebody, I'm going to cast my lot with the big guy who has the prototypical traits, the athleticism, who we know has the intelligence and all that other stuff. He'll be the guy that I think could be the one that people settle on when it's all said and done if he elected to
0: come out. It's going to be fascinating. We'll see. Uh, that deadline is usually the second week of January when these these guys decide who who's going to come out, who's not going to come out at that point in time. Then we start mock draft season, Buck. Let's enjoy these last sacred few weeks. I know. All right, that's going to do it for us here, Buck. A lot of fun today, a lot of ground to cover. We uh, we will be back later in the week for another episode. We've got a bunch of videos coming out. Better secondary, what's the best secondary in the NFL? We'll debate that between Chiefs, Broncos, Seahawks, Cardinals, And then we're going to have a really spirited debate. We're going to bring in Judge Reggie Wayne to decide who has the better offense, the Dallas Cowboys or the Oakland Raiders. So be on the lookout for those videos. And, again, thanks for leaving all your comments and and ranking us there, rating us on iTunes. Thanks for subscribing as well. We'll be back later this week. Thanks for checking us out. See you then.